you're listening to 91.5 FM WPRK Winter Park, Florida, the voice of Rollins College, and the best in basement radio. You are tuned into the Motorsports Hour, talking about all sorts of racing. It happens here on WPRK every Sunday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Let me give you the website, themotorsportshour.com and wprk.org. Take us with you wherever you are in the world via the WPRK app. My name is Clark. Alongside me tonight, as always, Mr. Chris Wire to wire, wire. How you doing over there, man? I'm good. Good. Yourself? I, I, I'm doing well. I'm. I'm. I'm I worried okay. about you today. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm. I'm. I'm hanging on. I'm. I'm hanging on. So you know, look. Lightning got eliminated by the Leafs last night. Did not see that coming. And you know, it has been an amazing run. It was a great run, and it's been a lot of fun and all that kind of stuff. And, hey, it ended this year already, and, and that's that. So that's that. But we outplayed them four games. We, 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 we beat them four games, uh, yet three of those games we lost. I, I mean, it just uh, it was frustrating. It was, it was quite frustrating. I get quite, it. Quite frustrating. Yeah, you know when you when you when you watch that team in a race that dominates the entire race, and then all of a sudden they throw it away with a stupid strategy call, <clears throat> Ferrari, you know, and and do something like that. It's kind of like watching that a little bit. You know, they they should have won. The, the Lightning should have won, but they didn't. The brakes didn't go their way, and that's that. So, tell you what, though, I have filled it with Rollins College men's lacrosse. I'm back doing the men's game, uh, doing the broadcast for the men's games as well. I had the call this afternoon. Uh, congrats to the Rollins men's team. Uh, 2023 Sunshine State Conference champions. They won the regular season, won the tournament, a perfect 9-0 in Sunshine State Conference play. They're the third-ranked team in the country. They are the number one-ranked team in the South region. This team is good. So uh, men's lacrosse here at Rollins, really, really good this year. So much fun to watch. Uh, got to call the last two games, and... Uh, loved being back in there calling uh, calling the men's games. So I missed it. I look forward to to watching them continue this season of success at, I believe, Bishop Moore High yes, School. Yes, yes, because why wouldn't you want to make it to the NCAA tournament and then play your games that you're going to host? Because you're the number one seed at a high school. That's not your school. Because they are in the process right now, as we speak, of tearing up uh, the field out there. So, K Hall Sandsper Field getting a getting a redo, <sighs> just in time for summer fall sports. I guess. I I guess so. I guess so. Don't know. Not my decision. This is what happens when you underestimate your men's lacrosse team. It is. It is. And and look, the the women women have a chance, an outside chance of making the uh, NCAA tournament, but. Uh, if they do, they probably would not be uh, not be a top seed and not have home field advantage. But you know, look, they were ranked nationally for most of the season and are ranked nationally right now, for that matter. All that being said, yeah, just kind of kind of a weird time, a weird choice of time to um, you know do the renovations. You know, during the season, normally those things are done in the off season. I, you know, I, typically, you, you know, when you repave the racetrack, you do it 
in between races and not, you know, hey, we've got a race coming up. Let's repave the racetrack and we'll move the race to another location. Yeah, that doesn't quite work. Why don't we wait until that race has been run and then we'll re repave the track? It's probably a little bit better time to do it, but I don't know. Anyway. I I'm guessing that they looked at the schedule mm -hmm. and said, okay, their regular season ends here. Let's start so the Monday, next let's start. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're probably right, but that's, you know, that's how it worked out. And then, and I, I couldn't believe it when I heard that today. I really couldn't believe that. And then I, I show up tonight. So I was here, you know, all afternoon uh, calling the game. I couldn't believe that. Then I show up tonight and yeah, they got big chunks of the field missing already. Wild. Yeah. Well, how was your, your, your weekend, my friend? Very, very nice. Nice. I like it. I was it. without power for seven and a half hours yesterday. And that oh. was fun. Thankfully, it wasn't 95 degrees out. Yeah. Just a, a, a wisp of a storm. We just got the edge of it. But, you know, I live in a neighborhood with a lot of, you know, 50-year-old oak trees. And one tree decided to uh, shed a limb. And, uh, you know, the crews did their best. But there was damage. And damage needed to be repaired. And uh, about 1 o'clock this morning, we got power back. Nine minutes before their own stated uh, look at that time via you know Duke Energy, exceed, I mean, Duke Energy constantly exceeding expectations. Heck yeah, yeah, constantly exceeding expectations. Those guys were in no rush, but frankly, at one o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't be either. Yeah. Speaking of exceeding expectations, Azerbaijan. Oh wait, did I? That's a pun, right? Yes, that's a pun. Um, we're back racing, but before we get to racing, we have to talk about the big. Giant, huge news in Formula One. Yes. Didn't we already address this? No. This 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 happened like Monday that this broke. Oh, okay. Then we're going down different paths. Yes. Well, the rumor mill, and Fernando Alonso has done nothing to dispel this rumor mill, which I love is that Fernando Alonso and Taylor Swift are dating. I have I have no idea where this started, how this be, became a thing. Have we ever seen Taylor Swift at an F1 race? No. Have we ever seen Oh yeah, she did uh, the concert at Coda. Oh yeah, that's years right. Ago. That's okay. Yeah, she did. Have we ever seen Fernando Alonso at a Taylor Swift concert? You would never see him there even if he was there. Yeah. I I, I love it, but I, I, I like Taylor Swift. I, I think she's a very talented songwriter and a pretty impressive performer. Everybody who I've talked to, every you know, we just had that big Taylor Swift show in Tampa, like three-night run. Everybody who went to it, I talked to a handful of people, went and said, it was the best concert I've ever seen. An incredible entertainer. She did an incredible job. It's like a three-hour show that she does and, and really impressive stuff. You know, that's some... You know, a little bit of bubblegum poppy for me at times, but has some really good songs out there, too. My daughters called it the best night of their lives. Really? I mean, yes. That, that good? That good. So they went? They did. Best night of their lives. And until, like, yesterday, they were shopping for last-minute tickets to go to Atlanta and see it all over again. That good? Yeah. For them, I mean, they're super fans. But... Yeah. So, Yeah. And look, I'm not a super fan, but I, I do re certainly respect what she does. I think she's sure. very good. Um, but her, I guess, her and Fernando Alonso—that's the—that's the story. 
And Fernando Alonso is just pushing it as much as he can. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to uh, to gauge whether we're being epically trolled. We are. Or whether this is, you know, actually something that legit that they really don't even want to, you know, own up to because it's so much fun in the current circumstance. It is fun. I mean, even, you know, you, you sent me this uh, portion of the race where even Crofty over the weekend and, you know, the whole Sky Sports team were just injecting little terminology and things that, uh, you know, that, that Taylor Swift is known for when speaking yes. about Fernando Alonso. And see, I am not a Swifty, so I don't necessarily get all the references. Everybody's having fun with it. Yeah, but everybody's having a great time with it. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. Harmless, too. Yeah, it's harmless, and everybody seems to be having a good time about it, uh, especially Fernando. <laughs> He's he's adding fuel to the fire. I like it. Have we heard anything from Taylor Swift about this wire? Uh, like a, a, a I think guy. she's a little busy right now. She is a little busy. She's got the uh, the tour going on, which is the best night of people's lives. It is. So, I, I I you know from what I can what I can tell the this concert is like I've heard some people use the phrase life changing. Wow. Yeah. Like that good. It is that good. How good of a performance okay. she is. Tell you what, her new song, her, that new single that she has out, came out about, I don't know, six months, a year ago. Really good. It's fire. I mean, it is good. It's, it's a really good song. I mean, she's a great performer. Yeah. She, like you said, she writes tremendous songs. Um, and, you know, she can sing like crazy. Multiple genres and, yeah. and very talented. So. so, hey, her and Fernando Alonso. I like it. Fernando in his own right is very talented. He is very talented. Double world champion, all that kind of stuff. Good stuff. So... And um, and if you're Fernando Alonso, there is no downside no. to you being linked to Taylor Swift. No, none. So, you know, they may just be friends. They may be more than friends, but they're just milking it and having a good time. Yeah. And, you know, I'm here for it. It's fine. Let's talk about the other aspect of it. Um, not the other aspect of that, but another uh, another thing that... that it drives me crazy. That makes the, me like this guy even less. Max Verstappen. You know, we have this new sprint race format and everything this weekend and all that kind of stuff. And and for some reason, F1 athletes don't, Formula 1 athletes, Formula 1 drivers, don't necessarily think of what they do as, you know, a professional sport like every other athlete does. Um, and certainly not Max Verstappen. Look, you've got every season, okay, save for professional football, but every single season is a lot longer than the Formula One season. They, you know, compete uh, many more times. You know, yes, it's always on weekends and things like that because you're a professional athlete and you get paid millions of dollars to, you know, do this thing that you supposedly love. Well, Max doesn't like this new format. It's just too much. He's, he's, he's in the car too much, and, you know, we're expanding the calendar. The weekend is too long. It's too much work, you know. And he's come out and said, you know, look, and this is, this is the, a quote here. It says, I do like racing. I do like winning. I know that, of course, the salary and everything, you have a good life. But is it actually a good life? 
I think sometimes you get to a point in your career where maybe you want to do other stuff. So maybe he wants to do other stuff, but is it really a good life being a Formula One driver? You know, I mean, he gets paid, I think, what, $25,000 a year? $30,000 a year? I don't no, know. I think he got a raise. More than that? Yeah. Because there's a lot of people out there working full-time, making in the tens of thousands of dollars a year range. Many of them say, Formula One fans. Yeah. I would say most people make in that range. Now, why are, I, I don't, um, I don't you know, want to put you on the spot here, but I'm not going to ask you the number that you make. I don't know how much money you make. But is it more or less than $48 million a year? It is slightly under a half a million. Okay, so so it's 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 under cents. Okay, <laughs> under so it's under forty eight million dollars a year. It is. It's under four. So I I'm in the same boat as you. I'm also under forty eight million dollars a year. Now that number forty eight million dollars a year happens to be the number that Max Verstappen makes every year. Forty eight million dollars a year, but it's not really a good life. How out of touch with reality is this guy? It's too hard. It's too much work racing 20-some-odd times a year to make $48 million, almost $2 million a race. He's getting paid. More. I think. Every race I mean, weekend. He, he said oh, too many weekends, too many race weekends. $2 million a weekend this guy is getting paid. How much did you, did you make $2 million this weekend? I did not work this weekend. I volunteered my time, you know, calling lacrosse games and doing that kind of stuff. Didn't get paid for that. I got paid less than $2 million. I still had a great weekend. I have a great life. Love my life. All that kind of stuff. Love my job. I make less than $48 million a year. Yeah, it's... There are people, you know, within sports and without, but in the context of sports, that live for the sport and live for the competition. And they will do whatever is necessary to succeed. I don't know that Max is that guy. Lewis Hamilton driven to get yep. an eighth cha world championship. Michael yep. Schumacher famously driven, so much so that he almost single-handedly turned the Ferrari team around from the doldrums that, you know, yep. were present when he, you know, he forced all of the, you know, crew to get fit. You know, he he was Always, you know, trying to make the car better, whether inside the factory or on the track or whatever. I mean, this is all legendary stuff. It's, yeah. not, it's not myth. I mean, it's all widely known. But that's the kind of guy he was. Max isn't that guy. Max is a supremely talented driver. But he doesn't have the psychological uh, makeup that Fernando Alonso. You know, yeah. I mean, the guy's racing. He's 41 years old. And he could be doing, you know, infinitely amount of other things with his life like going to Taylor Swift concerts Taylor Swift yeah but it's just his focus primary focus is you know getting better racing winning you know lifting up the team around him i mean he made he made a call i think my wife was going to cry he made a call today on the radio back to the pits to tell the team, to tell Lance to try something that he did in the car that was working and made him faster. Yeah. 
This guy's driving around at 200 miles an hour. Yeah. And he's trying to lift up his teammate who's two cars behind him. It was one of the most entertaining moments of the race today. And it's guys like that, you you totally understand. And is Max the guy that's going to race until he's 40 years old? No, even admittedly, he said himself, he's probably not. You know, he wants to go endurance racing. He might have other things. All of the things, and I, you're, you're 100% spot on with the out-of-touch comment that you made because what he gets paid for on the track affords him so many other opportunities to yeah. do other things with his life. And now that he has those opportunities, he's almost looking down on what he has to do to keep that money coming in. Yeah. And it just, you know, I I would I would argue that the guy's almost too talented for his mindset because he he makes what he does given it's in, it's in a supreme car this year, but he makes what he does on the track seem very easy, mm-hmm. he and does. It, almost to where it, it comes to him to where he doesn't necessarily have to work so hard for it, so he doesn't really appreciate what he's got. And there's going to be a point in time where he's going to have to make that decision. I mean, Red Bull will pay him until he wants to stop racing. There, I have no doubt about that because when he gets behind the wheel, he's a force. And you don't just replace that level of talent overnight. But his head is just, it's looking at, and it's, it's almost looking at the lifestyle that he's been afforded because of his talent as a burden. Yeah. And you and I, you and I can't relate to that. No. Not because we don't have talents in our own, you know, careers, but they certainly don't pay us $48 million a year. No. It's, it's always annoying and frustrating to hear people say you know things like oh it's just too much it's it's too much work and all that kind of stuff and and if he wanted to come out and say you know look i think it's too much on the guys that are traveling to the racetrack and everything guys and gals that are part of the team and they have to be away from their families and yes they do and that's tough but that's what happens when you work in professional sports it's just what happens travel you're traveling Half the time. and You don't punch out at 5 o'clock. Yeah. You know, you, your days may start at 4 in the morning. You know, all this stuff that goes along with it. But these people in Formula One and higher levels of sports and motorsports, they get to do something that very, very few people in the world get yeah. to do. And so there's a cost with that. But there's also a tremendous reward, both monetarily and otherwise, knowing that point zero 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 two percent of the people in the world engage at something at yeah. the level that you're involved in it's just you know it's just, it's hard to see his side of it with any empathy at all yeah and and you know just coming out and saying oh it's 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 just such a it's such a tough life what was me and I, I know he didn't say what was me it's such a tough life but it's basically what he says when you say you know is this really a good life though just really a good life. I'll switch. I'll switch seats with Max. Yeah, for a week or two. Yeah, he he can go do what I do and get paid what I pay. Get paid, and then I'll go do what he does. Yeah, and I'll probably last a weekend because <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not as fit as Max. I'm not as young as you're Max. not as young as Max either. 
but I'd give it yeah. a go. Yeah. Hell okay. of a go. Yeah. Give it a run. Give well, the beans. He's, you can do it too. And then yeah. he can go do your job. Yeah. Have, have, have at it. Get paid what I pay and, you know, have yourself uh, have, have yourself a fun time with that. And uh, you know what, Wire? I bet, again, and, and I don't want to get personal here. I'm, I, you know, I don't want to talk about how much money I make or how much money you make. But I bet if you added up both what we make together, it's still not $48 million a year. It's not $2 million in a weekend either. No, it's not. It's not. Anytime somebody who's making that kind of money says something like that, it's just, shut up, man. Yeah, I mean, it's off-putting. You know, you, yeah. it's it's... Shows his immaturity. He's a young guy, and it shows his immaturity a little bit. Yeah, it's also you know bubble boy status. You know he's surrounded by sycophants. Everybody's been telling him for years how awesome he is. Now he's a two-time world champion, so that's been validated. And so he, you know, he can pretty much say whatever he wants and get away with it. Doesn't think too much about how it's perceived otherwise. Mm-hmm. Now he does have, as others have said, you know, kind of moving, segueing into the race, if you will, he does have some pointed criticisms about some of the recent format changes that I think F1 is experimenting with. I don't think this is set in stone for the future. I think they're trying some new things. Stefano Domenicali has been the, um, you know, he's been throwing stuff at the wall, kind of. Yeah. Just testing it out. And and I think he'd admit that, you know, they're just trying new things just to, to keep the sport fresh to see if something works really, really well and it, and it delights the fans and creates a better show, then they may stick with it. And, you know, they're going to have some egg on their face if some, they try something and it doesn't work. And that brings us to Baku. Yes, it does. So here is this new format. And, and, and just a quick little history lesson out there. Um you know, qualifying for years and years, qualifying was a one-hour period. Clock started and started at one hour and started counting down. So 60 minutes. You go out there, set your fastest lap in the next 60 minutes, and that's that. And what was happening is, okay, we would start the 60 minutes, but as the day goes on, as more cars drive over the track, the track gets more rubber laid down on it, uh, you know, the track typically gets warmer because it's in the sun for a longer period of time. You're going to get more grip. Lap times will go down. Lap times will improve. So nobody would be out there for the first 52 minutes of qualifying, except maybe a, you know, minority or something like that, or in arrows or something. And nothing would happen. And then the last eight minutes would just be pure, you know, kind of mayhem of, you know, just, hey, what's going on? You know, Cars going out there, crossing the line, what's going on, and, you know, setting a time, and then, all right, who was in first? Okay, it's the Ferrari again kind of thing. And then we went to a um, different format where we went to single car qualifying, where cars would go out, okay, you get one lap to go set your time, you go set it now. All right, next car, your turn now. Now it's your turn. You know, if we do that at Indy, it works great at Indianapolis. Not here. Not in Formula One. Didn't really work. Was not good. And then we ended up with some modifications to the system that we have now and where we have landed now in qualifying is fantastic. It is so much better than the way it used to be Q1, Q2, Q3. 
and you know knocking cars out and certain you know a certain number of cars getting knocked out and you know the time that they have to go out there and set a time and all that kind of fun stuff and the it interesting thing sense. is other it got so good that other you know disciplines of motorsport adopted knockout qualifying yeah it's really good indycar um i think sro america has it uh there's there's a lot of sanctioning bodies that that do that and so it's almost to the point it's been that way for a while now yeah because it works it's really good it's really good um so formula one has made changes we've made lots of changes to the point structure we used to only play out to the top six uh finishers then we went to the top eight now we're um Top ten now, are we top ten? Are we where? Where do we pay out to? Yeah, we pay. Out to no, 10. we pay points all the way down. No, we only pay pay points at the top ten. Is it top ten? Yeah, an F one. Twenty five, eighteen, fifteen, twelve, ten, eight, six, four, two, one. I wasn't counting, so I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it's not all. I the think way that's down. ten. Yeah, not all the way down. Um, We've got the new, we had these sprint races last year. Sprint races are back again this year, different format. How it worked last year, okay, you go out, you qualify, then you have the sprint race. Where you finish in the sprint race, that's where you're going to start the race on Sunday. I like that format this year. Okay, you go out, we have a practice session, then we have qualifying, and you know that sets where you're going to start the race on Sunday. Then we have a shootout a sprint shootout, which is another qualifying session for the sprint race, and that's where you're going to start the sprint race. Then you race the sprint race. Where you finish the sprint race has nothing to do with anything but except how many points you get. Uh, and then you start the race on Sunday where you qualified on Friday. It's a different format. It's a change. People don't like change. I don't like that change. I don't like this change either. I don't like it because the race becomes inconsequential. The 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 sprint race. Sprint race. Well, what they're, they're paying out points now for it. Yeah, but I mean for for a seventeen lap race where there's no strategy. Yeah. Where everybody had to start on the same tire. Yeah, and there's some different tire regulations to it, and and the sprint shootout. It's the sprint shootout. I, Let's go to the sprint shootout. Sprint shootout time. I, I prefer when I prefer that the sprint race sets the grid for the race. Same here. And I, qualifying, I mean, yes, you get a pole, you get credit for a pole, but the pole only pertains to the sprint race grid. And then use the sprint. So it's all layered, you know, and it culminates in the you know the grid for the race on Sunday. Right. This is two. This I mean, is two separate races, basically right. happening and on it's the same weekend. Too disjointed. It doesn't. Yeah. One doesn't really have anything to do with our Friday qualifying. Doesn't have anything to do with the sprint race. Nothing. And sprint qualifying and the sprint race, other than points, don't have anything to do with the the Sunday race. So. And you you actually you you qualify for the race on Sunday before you qualify for the sprint on Saturday. Which is confusing. I, I'm just, I, just looking at it from there. I'm like, okay, so okay, we're going to practice, then we're going to qualify, then we're going to qualify, then we're going to race, then we're going to race. And the first qualifying sets the second race. The second qualifying sets the first race. The first race doesn't have anything to do with the second race. Got it? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. But 
you can't put lipstick on that pig. It's just weird. It's so, too disjointed. It's it, there's been a long you know conversation for years uh, about improving the show. Yeah, and improving the show to the powers that be appears to mean racing on track, and that's fine because you know there's long been talk about limiting the you know there were there's three free practices, and they wanted to pare that down to two. In this case, there's one. And, you know, the teams are generally against it because they have their program. Their program is, you know, designed to work um, the best using a three-practice format. And they can do their short runs, they can do their quality runs, and they can do their long runs and, and all that stuff. And they can incorporate it within the three free practices. Now, taking it down to two or one, you know, kind of restricts the team as to what they have to prioritize, and they don't like it, and I get that. But we've seen the qualifying sprint grid, sprint race sets the Sunday grid, and it works really well. I, I thought it worked great because it was the sprint race. It made the sprint race so highly consequential. Um, more so, even though you're getting paid points now, I think it was almost more consequential in the old format because it's not full points. You're not getting full points. What is it? Um, uh, in the sprint uh, race, you get eight points for a win, seven for a second, three for uh, or six for third, five for fourth. Uh, I mean, they pay out down through eight, eighth position, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. But the points are reduced, and you know it really. So if you're, you know, they're only paying down through eight. If you're a mid-pack team in 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, you got no shot at getting to eighth. What are you even doing out there? Yeah, what's the point? Is the show actually improved? Are the fans actually uh, more engaged watching the back half of the field just motor around, using it as a test session, essentially, because they know that, you know, the chance of them even scraping into a point by finishing eighth is pretty rare. I mean, it's just not likely to happen. So, well, and, and it's not. It, it's it's a few different things too. And then, what one of the things that's always interesting when when you look at say it, you look at something, say, how can I make this better? And what invariably happens is people say, I know how we make this better. We make more of it, and that's what they've done basically. How do we make the Formula One product better? Let's make more of it. Uh, you know, hey, how do, how do you get ratings up, get more eyeballs watching, more, you know, butts and seats, all that kind of stuff? Well, let's make more of it. It's, you know, look, I, one of the reasons that a lot of races, one of the reasons that going to the Rolex or 12 Hours of Sebring or whatever it is, is appealing is because there's a lot of it to watch. You know, a lot of these races and, and a lot of the IMSA races are, what, two hours, 45 minutes long? I would love to go to Road America and see a race. I don't know if I want to go all the way to Road America for two hours and 45 minutes, though. I would go to Watkins Glen because they're racing for six hours kind of thing. So that, that, that has some appeal to me. So in endurance racing, more is better, quite frankly. In Formula One racing, and in, you know by definition, sprint racing, Formula One is a sprint race. More necessarily isn't better. 
better racing is. This change just makes more of it. It's just here's some more Formula One in the course of the weekend. Yeah, you guess I guess you get more bang for your buck kind of thing. If you're you know buying one of those uh, crazy expensive tickets to Miami or something like that, good. You know you get more of it. Well, here here's my thought. It's you get more of it, but it's less consequential. Yeah. Because by not tying the Sunday grid to the results of the sprint race, you effectively made the sprint race another race between the top ten cars. Here's the other thing. The back that... half of the field gets literally nothing. Whereas in the old format, you know, the guy that qualified 15th or the guy that, you know, was 22nd on the grid because he couldn't, you know, get they couldn't get the car to do something or they damaged it in practice or something. Now all of a sudden, he can vault himself from 22nd up to 15th or 14th on the grid for that Sunday race. There's a motivation there that won't exist in any way near as powerful form if you're doing a, an inconsequential sprint race. And here's the here's the other thing. It's inconsequential. We use it as inconsequential, I think. I think we both do. And here's the here's the other thing. It cheapens and it dilutes all the other races on the calendar. All the under all the other races on the calendar are by definition now worth less. They are worth less points because you're scoring points points in these sprint races now. And it cheapens that just a couple percentage points here or there. But a win on Sunday for 25 points is worth, you know, it's not really worth 25 points anymore now, is it? It's worth, you know, 24.2 points or whatever it works out to be kind of thing. So it, it, it cheapens all the other races by paying out points to these sprint races and whatever they are. Just have two races, man. Just race twice if you want to. Yeah, I mean, it's... Which they did, it, but it's the format of how you structure, yeah, you know, the application of the results of the first race. What do you do with the results of the sprint race? It, it, the the format in you know, remember the Silverstone race where Lewis took out Max. That was an extremely consequential yeah. race, obviously. So, yeah. if that were to happen today. In today's race, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, Red Bull would still write off a car, but you know, wherever Max qualified on Friday is where he's going to start the race on Sunday because the sprint race is a race unto itself and it has no effect other than you know the wrecked car. Yeah, on the Sunday grid. So, yeah. hopefully, this. I mean. The drivers were pretty open about their, you know, not disdain, but they just didn't like it. Mm -hmm. They were not fully on board with what F1's trying to do here. And my hope is that they got the message. Yeah. Because I I, I think that, you know, and I haven't a chance had chance to I haven't had a chance to read much on what the media think of it, but I, I'm I would guess that they're probably like minded. Yeah, I would too. So let's move on from that. Let's let's talk about uh, qualifying. Let's talk about sprint shootout. Let's talk about sprint. Let's talk about the race. Um, and because we have all this stuff to talk about, let's just motor through it quick. Quite frankly, 
um, qualifying. Uh, we did have some excitement in qualifying in that, uh, you know, look, I picked Checo. You picked you pick Max, if I'm not mistaken. Who did you pick I wouldn't, Max? No, I, Max is too easy. I think yeah. I took Lewis. Okay, you took Lewis. Uh, Mercedes, not the fastest car. Max, not the fastest car. Sergio Perez in the other Red Bull, not the fastest car. Charles Leclerc, fastest car in qualifying. The Ferrari, incredibly fast in a straight line. They had this car dialed in. It was faster in like every sector on the track. It's uh, a Ferrari, baby. I mean, the it, back. Yeah, you know, qualified on the pole. Charles Leclerc on the pole in the first qualifying for the second race. For the race on Sunday, he qualified in first. Um, Max qualified second. Sergio qualified in third. Then Carlos Sainz in the other Ferrari. Lewis Hamilton in fifth. Um, Fernando Alonso, Lando Norris, Yuki Tsunoda, Lance Stroll, and Oscar Piastri. Wait a minute. Did Mercedes only field one car? Um, no, that, that, that can't be. Where's George Russell? Oh, yeah, he qualified in 11th. Oh, there he is. We did have something interesting. Poor George. Two exact same times. A 141.611 set by Lance Stroll and Oscar Piastri in qualifying in Q3. And I know what you're saying. Well, how do they figure out who starts, you know, ninth and who starts 10th? Whoever sets the time first, that's the better time. That's correct. So, as it should be. And that that's I you know, down to the thousandth. Exact down to the doesn't thousand. happen often, but every now and then. I think it's happened once we will before. See that. Yeah, pretty cool. That, it that, is that you can that that can be down to the thousandth. Uh, sprint shootout. So we go to the sprint shootout. Charles Leclerc fastest again. Sergio Perez uh, second fastest there. Max Verstappen his teammate third fastest. Then George Russell decided to show up uh, there. Qualified in fourth. For the sprint shootout, Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Albon, Alonzo, Stroll, Norris, uh, there for the sprint shootout classification. Interesting lack of pace from the Aston Martin in the hotter conditions. Yeah. They were struggling. They were struggling. Speaking of struggling, uh, Logan Sargent uh, struggling um, because he he crashed out um, because... Well, he, he crashed out, <laughs> and with his crash, I mean, he could not race in the sprint race, which is a shame. I didn't miss him. Did no. you? No, I didn't. I mean, it was only 17 laps. We yeah. didn't, didn't have much of an opportunity to miss him. But sprint race, Sergio Perez winning the sprint race in eight points with that. Charles Leclerc in second, beating Max Verstappen uh, and George Russell. And George Russell uh, put a nice little uh, hole in the side of Max Verstappen's car in the sprint. Yeah, I mean, there was some good racing early on, and then it settled down. And you know what? We had a change at the front. You know, the Charles went from first to second. Checo went from second to first. And Max started third, finished third. George started fourth, finished fourth. Carlos Steins started fifth, finished fifth. There's not a lot to be gained. Yeah by the sprint race, because if you are those guys and there's a two-second gap and there's only 17 laps in a race, are you really pushing? Yeah. Are you really going to go for it? Because remember, you got to drive this car tomorrow. Right. And the differential in points could be one or two points. Yeah. As long as you're in the points, that's fine. Now, when you get down to 
seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, you might have a little something to race for, points or no points. But I just uh, I think it underlines you know the point we were making regarding the necessity of joining the results of the sprint with what goes on on Sunday. Yeah. So let's go to the race that was here on Sunday, shall we? Do we have to? We do. We do. It's taxing, uh, so to say the least. I will say that Azerbaijan looks spectacular. It looks really beautiful. How do they Baku. get... Baku. The track was ultra smooth. Yeah. but I mean, just butterly, silky smooth. And I don't know how they do that. I, You know, look, I... I Baku, they might say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go repave this track every These are single year. public roads. Though. Yeah, but they go out there where they grind them down, they repave them every single year. They got a bunch of oil money. That's what they do. Make it look brand new every year because it, it does look brand new every year. It and yet like. I was watching, you know, just had some time on my hands, so I was watching some old Daytona footage, uh, you know, Rolex. Not buttery footage. smooth. Not in any way. No. I mean, it's just. And we're in Florida. I mean, it, yeah, it heats up, and you know, it's on. It's built on sand, but not smooth. No. And you contrast that to Baku. It was tabletop smooth. Mm-hmm. Well, look at. I mean, shoot. Look at Coda. Look at Texas. Look at what's happening on that track. It's like they didn't put enough road base down, or they got problems with groundwater there, or something. I think they have groundwater issues. They need under drain, but under drains everywhere. But anyway, okay. I'm getting into the real. Development aspect of things. So let's get out of that. Let's get to the race. Um, Wire. This was the most boring race I have watched in a while. Since Bahrain. Actually, Bahrain Bahrain was was a more exciting race this year than Baku. It was bad. This was a boring race. Look, okay, you got Charles Leclerc starting from the pole. He gets a good start. Unlike lap three, Max Verstappen is behind him. You know, DRS opens up the flap, drives right by him like he's got an extra gear that uh, Leclerc doesn't have. Uh, he gets by. Here comes Checo. Checo's got an extra gear, gets right by uh, Charles Leclerc. So Charles Leclerc is now in third position. And Max Verstappen is leading, and Sergio Perez is in second. Um, and then you have a... Um, uh, a crash from the Alpha Tower. Nick DeVries uh, has this crash, and the car stops out on track. They can't get the car moved. They're not going to send out marshals while the cars are on track. So safety car comes out. Uh, Max dives into the pits, comes back out in whatever it is, fifth, you know, or uh, comes back out in He second. was well down. Yeah. He was well down. But then they then – they Fix that. Yeah. You know, then, okay, Sergio Perez, who's uh, now inherited the lead but still has a big lead on everybody else, he's able to come into the pits and exit the pits before anybody else can because the way that they say what happens when a safety car comes out, in every other form of racing, it's like, okay, safety cars comes out, bunch up behind the safety car, which, by the way, watching the race and my daughter goes why is the safety car out i was so proud wire i was so proud it's the best part of the race today good job grace when, when grace goes what's the safety car doing and i'm like yes it's the safety car she knows what the safety car is nice she knows what the safety car is good job dad yeah 
is the most exciting part of the day. Well, actually, not the most exciting part of the day. We'll get to the most exciting part of the day. Um, but unlike every other form of racing, it basically, okay, put your pit lane speed limiter on now. Your, your, your slowdown starts wherever you are on the track. No more bunching up out there. You slow down immediately. And that's the speed that you're going to run the rest of the lap until you catch up to the safety car and all that kind of stuff, which is different than literally every other form of racing out there. And what you get is a situation like this where Sergio Perez, who has a lead, yes, he's going slower, but everybody else is going the same speed, pulls into the pits. It's not like they can speed up to get past him and catch up to the safety car. No, they have to maintain that speed while he goes into the pits. So instead of losing a typical 23 seconds or whatever it is, it's basically the equivalent of losing 11 seconds or something like that. He comes back, goes in, pits, comes back, he's still in the lead. Yeah, I mean, that's been unique in, in Formula One for a very long time. It, yeah. It's it's frustrating at, at times. And it's frustrating because it doesn't speed up the action. No. So, I mean, one of the criticisms you and I have had over the years, especially with IMSA, is you recall the race at Sebring four or five years ago where every safety car took like eight laps yeah. out of the race. Yeah. Now, granted, it's a 12-hour race. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody eight wants to see eight time. laps of safety cars. I mean, it just it, it shouldn't happen. So, uh, you know, the, there, there's a safety aspect to the way Formula One does it. The interesting thing is if the, t- if the cars are spaced well enough on the track, you can double stack cars in the pits on the same lap, which creates a whole bunch of drama too. Yeah. And it can be very exciting. Um, I don't think we saw a whole lot of that today, but. Um, yeah, it's, they do it a little bit differently, but I think it maybe cuts a lap out of the safety car time. I, I have a way to make restarts more exciting. Remember a couple years ago, I'd say a couple, it was probably like 15 years ago, when NASCAR said, we're not gonna, just going to do single line, single file restarts. We're going to do side-by-side restarts. How much better would a Formula 1 restart be if we ran it like that, side-by-side? Rolling you want to know start. what they do now? On the final lap, this is NASCAR we're talking about. On the final lap, you get to choose the lane you want to be in. Inside or outside. And so if if you're in sixth position and the five people in front of you choose the, the inside lane, you go right straight to the front of the field. You don't have to start in sixth position. You suddenly become number two on the track because those guys in front of you effectively gave up those spots and you just go forward, and everybody just picks the side they want to go on, and they end up where they end up. It's kind of wild. It is kind of cool. I, I I don't think anybody would 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 give up a spot, but I'd love to see side by side restarts or something or whatever. Because this restart was boring. The rest of the race was boring. It was incredible. I can't tell you how many times I watched this, watching the race with Jen and just going, this "Race is boring. This race is so boring. There's nothing going on in this race." I'm convinced. Ferrari needs to fund an emotional support group for their Tifosi. You know, hey, they start from the pole. They, like, immediately get past, like, within the first five laps. Charles Leclerc, guess what he had for Red Bull today? Zero. Nothing. Here's the only thing that was interesting. Guess what Max Verstappen had for Sergio Perez today? Nothing. Nothing. Checo was the class of the field. He goes on to win in dominant fashion. Good for him. Um, My pick, by the way. He was my pick. He was your pick. And... Um, 
I like that. Okay. And I'm almost reserved to not ever pick Ferrari again. Yeah. When we, you know, uh, the the week before a race, because Charles Leclerc sat on the pole twice in the same weekend, didn't win either race. In the course of, let's see, I think they went back to green on like lap 14 of a 51 lap race, which leaves how many? Do your math. 37 laps. In 37 laps, he was 17 seconds behind to the finish. Yeah. Still finished third, but 17 seconds. And the best part. I've got it as 21 seconds back. Oh, is it 21 seconds? Yeah. Okay. Worse. The the best part, from an ironic standpoint, is Carlos Sainz is going long on a set of hard tires, going to the end, one stopper. Team comes on, I don't know, there's 25 laps left or something. It says, we're happy with the tire life. Okay to go to the end. Push now. Go hunting. He's 1.8 seconds at that point in time behind Fernando Alonso. Over the next dozen laps, he's now 12 seconds behind. (laughs) Happy hunting. It's okay. Push now. And he pushed into a, you know, he he pushed a a two-second deficit into a 12-second deficit. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I don't know what these guys are doing. I, yeah. Well, let's let's run down the finishing order. Sergio Perez wins for Red Bull. His teammate Max Verstappen comes in second. Charles Leclerc in third for Ferrari. Fernando Alonso in fourth for Aston Martin. Carlos Sainz in fifth for Ferrari. Lewis Hamilton in sixth for Mercedes. Lance Stroll in seventh for Aston Martin. George Russell in eighth for Mercedes. Lando Norris in ninth for McLaren Mercedes. And Yuki Tsunoda. And the Alpha Ta- and Alpha Tauri finished in tenth position, and oh boy, I, it was a it was a boring race. It was just a boring race. It was just not good. I don't know. It was just not good. So did you? And I I think it's only fitting that we move on because there's little to talk about. Unless you want to run down the points. Now we can run those down those in a little bit. But the the most exciting moment of the race was when um, Esteban Ocon um, almost killed a bunch of photographers. By far the most exciting part of the race. So you know you see these guys and like I, typically they're like they're like pink or they're you know neon green or they're blue. And it's a photo pass, and photographers will have these little bibs that they wear, so they're identified as photographers, and they can get certain places on the track that you and I can't get, and even broadcast media can't get, uh, marshals can get, but you know that's about it. And some of these places to take pictures, to take photographs, because they're special. Yeah, they are special. One of those places is in pit lane. You can be in pit lane. One of those places, however, is not. The travel lane of pit lane when a car is coming into the pits, which you had Esteban Ocon coming into the pits. Race is still going on. He's coming in, get a new pair of shoes, go out there, try and set the fastest lap. He comes in, and there's a bunch of photographers in the way, just standing there like a bunch of idiots. Well, somebody released them onto the pit lane. And see, here's here's another issue that made Bahrain so or Baku so boring. Nico Hulkenberg started from pit lane and went 48 laps, I think, on a single set of tires. Mm-hmm. Esteban Ocon went 50 laps starting from the pit lane. 
on a hard compound tire, which is why he was he was required by the rule to come in and get a, a change of tires. Now, they were racing ninth and 10th, which means they were both going to be out of the points. They were hoping for a safety car to be able, or a red flag, to be able to get their, um, you know, get their tire change done and then try to hold on to the position that they had, you know, raced up to. And that was the only strategy they had. There was no way that they were going to make a pit stop that late in the race and, you know, use the tire advantage to gain back those spots. So this was, it was just a calculated decision. But the fact that they went 48 and 50 laps on a set of tires a problem. is ridiculous. Yeah. The softs should be the hards and then something that's, you know, made out of chewing gum should be even better. Should we go somewhere that was more interesting? Let's do it. Should we go to Spa? Let's go to Spa Franker Shops. World Endurance Championship, six hours of spa? What is it, six or eight six hours? A, the six hours of spa. Did Total you, energy, six hours of spa. Did you? Who Was it Ring of Van Zanda who had that huge shunt? Yes, in the Cadillac. My God. Right at, I mean, coming out of Eau Rouge. Yeah. Up the hill and just lost it. When it goes Both wrong. Ferrari there. hypercars crashed out. They were, the, they were, and one of them was the pole sitter. Yeah. When it goes wrong at Eau Rouge, it goes real wrong. Yeah. So Toyota Gazoo Racing securing uh, the first and second positions. Ferrari AF Corsa uh, finishing in third uh, step of the podium. Porsche Penske Motorsport in fourth. Cadillac Racing in fifth. In LMP2, eh, you know, Team WRT, United Autosports, Inter Europol Competizione. Uh, I don't know any of those guys. LMGTM, Richard Mille, AF Course, Ferrari, Corvette Racing, and Ort by TF, whom I've also never heard of. Never heard of them. In what appears to be an Aston Martin. Yeah. Uh, look, some good stuff. Some good stuff in the WEC race. Um, it's, it's a streaming. I mean, you got to find that race because television uh, uh, doesn't cover it. Oh, they had no. It's it's on um, um, Velocity. It's it's broadcast. Oh, uh, okay. Or Motor so, Trend. It's Motor Trend now. Yeah. That's so wild because it yeah, I got it. You have it. Yeah, I, my record. Look, the F one race never records for me. That always records. That's a shame. Yeah. It is a shame because I absolutely would have recorded it. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's good stuff, and you having it on um, Motor Trend is what the network is called now. Uh, Thanks for letting me know, Clark. Sorry, sorry. IndyCar. Yeah, IndyCar from Barber. Great race. I, I got to record. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but too too much stuff going on today. So great race. Yeah, take the time. It's worth it. Yeah, I, look, IndyCar is. Every time I watch IndyCar, I go. It was a great race. That was fun. That was fun. It was a fun race. It's good stuff. You want to know part of the reason? Yeah, I do. Two-stop strategy versus a three-stop strategy. Better than a one versus two. There isn't a car on the track that went 48 laps on a set of tires. Yeah. And it was fantastic racing. Push to pass, you know, all that stuff. I mean, you know, Formula 1 has DRS. It's It's all the same stuff. And it makes a difference. It factored into the race result. Um, 
you know, who saves their push to pass. And um, interesting, I, I didn't know, I mean, I knew what push to pass does, but there were several times during the race where you saw the benefit of it. Yeah. Two cars come out of a corner side by side. One has pushed to pass. The other one's already out. And that car just motors right on by. I mean, it's a sizable difference. But uh, Roman Grosjean very nearly getting his first IndyCar win. Couldn't hold on. Yeah. He used all his push to pass. Scott McLaughlin got the win. Scott McLaughlin got the win. Roman Grosjean second. Will Power in third. Will Power made a tremendous charge in the last 12 laps from like 14 seconds down. Just hammer time. Yeah. And uh, caught Grosjean. Couldn't get by him. Some really good moves through the race by various drivers. Very entertaining race. And okay. you just juxtaposition that against the F1 race today. I'm glad I had some good racing to watch. Yeah. The F1 race today was, was bad. It was just flat bad. Um, but that happens from time to time, Wire. So, all right, we're running up against it, though. Miami. We're on our way to Miami. Well, yeah. We're not on our way to Miami. Well, wait. Okay. Well, we have established, I guess, that you and I put together, I'm going to say even times two, don't make as much as Max Verstappen, which is $48 million a year. Um, if you make Max Verstappen money, you can afford to go to the Miami Grand Prix. If you don't, it might be a little bit iffy. No, I, but it, look, it's an expensive proposition to go down to the race. A ticket... Is in the thousands of dollars. As you've said numerous times, Wire, this race is not for people like you and me. It's nope. It's just not. It is, it's not for us. It's not for us. We could go down there and, and talk about, you know, we'd, we'd be down there. And, oh, yeah. You know, Lewis Hamilton, you know, I would say, oh, yeah. You know, like when he made that move when he was at McLaren, you know, around Nico Rosberg in the Mercedes at, you know, at to, to beat him to the finish at... Um, at Coda and Coda's first race, and everybody looked at me like I have horns growing out of my head. Who's Nico Rosberg? You know, I, look, I, who's Lewis Hamilton? I, like some guy, you know, one of my business associates gave me a pass. I don't, I don't know. You know, it, it, look, it, it's it's a it's a reality. It is what it is. It's next week though. We're racing here in the Sunshine State, baby. Um, you and I not going to make it, even though it is in our backyard. Um, where? Who you got? Miami Grand Prix. I think the... Um, Miami Gardens Grand Prix, excuse me. Yes. Well, can't pick Charles. No. Even with their newfound pace for a lap. Um, the Checo train may be a running. You're stealing my Checo choice, huh? It may be a running. Yeah? You're picking Checo? And you may even find that Fernando does well at Miami. It's Here. not a Baku. It's almost the counter yeah. to a Baku. He could very well do. Who are you thing. taking? Give me Fernando. Oh, man, you took you stole my thunder, man. Oh, you he, just told a, me I stole your Checo. I know. Well, I was trying to push you to Checo. That's why. The reverse psychology didn't work. No, no, no. <laughs> you pick Fernando Alonso. You know, he, he's in the U.S. He's going to get to see his girl a little bit, I would imagine. At least they're on the same continent now. You know, hey, Fernando, um, I like Fernando, but I'll take Checo, man. I'll take, I'll take Fernando Checo. Fernando and plus one. Okay. And his plus one. Fernando and his plus one. 
All right, if she pops up in the, what are the chances? What are the chances she pops up on the uh, broadcast in Miami this uh, this weekend? I don't know. Slim and none. Let's see what the uh, era tour is. The era looks tour. Like. Are, are they in action this weekend? Well, I tell you what, we will we will certainly talk about that uh, coming up uh, next week. Where before we get out of here, anything else, my friend? No. Have a great week. On that note, I uh, hope everybody uh, enjoys the Miami Grand Prix. We'll be back to talk about it next week. Until then, thanks, everybody, for listening. Check us out online, themotorsportshour.com. Until next week, bye-bye.